It all took place in a town called Bethlehem. And it was the prophet Micah who foretold the fact that there would be one born in Bethlehem. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Bethlehem is a real place. And as you study Scripture, you discover pretty quickly that this was not a new location for people to gather. As you look at Bethlehem, you discover that it is where Jacob's beloved wife, Rachel, was buried. The ninth judge of Israel was from Bethlehem. Ruth took Naomi back to Bethlehem. It was where David was anointed to be king over Israel. Ezra and Nehemiah both list Bethlehem as those who were exiled and who came back to Jerusalem. And here in Micah, we discover the prophecy about Bethlehem. Bethlehem is important to all three major religions today. Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. For Judaism, it is the history indeed that makes Bethlehem such an important place. Because they look back on their history and they see God's deliverance of His people throughout all of time. For us who know Jesus Christ as personal Savior, we identify Bethlehem as the place where He was born. And indeed, He was born. As Mary brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Bethlehem was a city of importance to the Crusaders who conquered it in the year 1100. And over the years, there were many wars fought between the Muslims and Christians, and the city was even destroyed and then rebuilt. Today, just north in Jerusalem, you have the Dome of the Rock, which is a sacred place for Islam. Now, as you look at Jerusalem, you find out, as you look at Bethlehem, I'm sorry, as you look at Bethlehem, you find out pretty quickly what kind of place this was. And it was indeed a place of pressure. We talked about that last week as we recognized that Bethlehem was where there was an occupying force. There was an obligation to go and register to be taxed. And there was the overbearing journey, overwhelming Joseph and Mary as they went to Bethlehem. If you're facing pressure in your life, let me encourage you to look to Bethlehem. Because there you can discover the one who will meet your need. But not only was Bethlehem a place of pressure, Bethlehem was also a place of peace. And as you look at the account that we have in Scripture, you discover pretty quickly that there were those who did not know what God was doing in Bethlehem. The culture gave to us a place of peace as we find Pax Romana. And it was the Roman government that ruled the whole region. And as you know, 
That's why Joseph and Mary were in Bethlehem, because of an edict from Caesar Augustus. As you look at the rule of Rome, you discover that not only was it just in the Middle East, but it was literally around that whole region from Europe down through Asia and down into northern Africa. But this Pax Romanus, this peace of Rome was something that existed. And Caesar Augustus had indeed given to the people a relative time of peace. There was peaceful travel during that time. People could move about under the Roman rule without any visas or without any fear of being stopped, and and they could go from place to place. That's why it was so easy for Joseph and Mary to make the journey. It was also a time of a common language that was spoken, so so people could get around and, and they could share together. And it was a time of relative safety. So we have this Pax Romanus, this peace of Rome that gives to us the, the critical time when Jesus would be born. But not only is there a cultural time of peace, there's also a time of communication of peace. Do you remember when Joseph was told that he should take Mary to be his wife? Do you remember what the angel said? Joseph, don't be afraid, because that which is conceived in Mary is of the Holy Spirit. Do you remember when Mary was chose that she would bear a son and call his name Jesus? She was told, Mary, fear not. Do you remember the shepherds on the hillside as they were told concerning that which was going to take place? They were told, Peace on earth, goodwill to all men. It was indeed a communication of peace to those who were involved in the receiving of the Son of God as the Savior of the world. You know, God wants to give us peace in our lives. If you're looking for peace, look for a place called Bethlehem. Not only is there peace on the earth, but there are two other pieces that the Bible talks about. It talks about peace with God. Romans chapter 5 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. And if you're struggling this morning in your relationships, if you're struggling with even what God may be doing with with you in your life, you may not have peace with God. You know, the Bible tells us that we're all enemies of God. We've all sinned and come short of His glory. But God sent His Son into the world so that we might have a personal relationship with God. See, the reality is that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. The reality is that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And the reality is that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Believe in our heart, confess with our mouth, 
and recognize that God wants to give to us the gift of a personal relationship with him through his son. And that provides for us peace with God. Do you have peace with God? Do you know him through his son? Have you received Jesus Christ as personal savior? If not, you need to do that. There's one more peace that the Bible talks about, and that's the peace of God. Philippians chapter 4 tells us, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing but in everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God that passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This past week I attended two memorial services. Each service remembered a teenage girl who was tragically killed out on East Avenue a week ago last Thursday. In one of the services, there was very little said that would allow a person to have hope. In the other service, it was a great testimony to God's grace. And it was so good to know that even in the midst of that tragedy, and it was a tragedy, something that I don't understand, we can know the peace of God that passes all understanding. Because it is that peace that keeps our focused attention on His Son, Jesus Christ. The announcement to the shepherds was peace on earth, goodwill toward men. That one day will happen when he rules and reigns and sets up his kingdom in the millennium. But until then, we need to know that we must respond to his invitation to receive Jesus Christ as personal Savior so that we can have peace with God. And when we have peace with God we can know the peace of God. Bethlehem was indeed a place of peace, but it was also a place of life. Scripture says, And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. John 1.1 In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in him was life, And the life was the light of men. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Life. Life in this little baby. Jesus said in John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. In John 10, Jesus said, I am come that you might have life, then you might have it more abundant. It was a place of life. It was also a place of announcements. Have you thought about all the people who were informed about the birth of Christ in Bethlehem? Certainly, Joseph and Mary knew. 
Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, knew what was going to take place. Even Zacharias, the prophet, was a party to the great news to mankind. But think about the others who were informed. There were the shepherds. Shepherds on the hillside. Did you see them keeping watch over their flock by night? John MacArthur said this, The last group that you would expect to be first informed were the shepherds. You might consider telling the high priest first because he was the religious leader of the nation. Or you might have weighed the advantages of going first to the chief priests and scribes, the leading teachers in Israel. On the other hand, you might have thought it smart to go first to the Sanhedrin, the body of 70 elders that were the theocratic leadership of Israel. Or you might have insisted on informing the Pharisees, who were the religious fundamentalists, looking forward to the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies and the Messiah's arrival. But the first ones who were informed from heaven's throng were the shepherds. Being a shepherd was not a shameful possession, profession, but it was a lowly one, for it included many menial tasks. Shepherds were basically just insignificant workers. Poorly educated and poorly paid. And the fact that it didn't require a whole lot of skill to be a shepherd points to the fact that many children were used to keep watch over the flock. It was the lowest profession on the Jewish social ladder because they could not be involved in temple worship. It was a seven-day, 24-hour, 365 day a year job. Now there are some who believe that these shepherds to whom the angel made the pronouncement were temple shepherds. And their flock were animals which would be offered as sacrifices. We're not sure. But certainly the announcement to them about the Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world, pointed to a perfect sacrifice. And it was the shepherds. Simeon was also told about the birth of Christ. If you were to go to uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, you would find that Jesus was presented at the temple, and it was there Simeon who said, I have seen the gift of the Lord. Anna, who was a prophetess, was also one in that temple. And she was told about the Christ. The Magi, who came to worship the king of the Jews, saw his star in the east and followed him. Last week I, I said that uh, in many of our nativities, and I was so glad that the Magi were here this morning in the house. I said that the nativities in most of our homes and even in our homes aren't biblically accurate because we put the Magi right there. Now, we don't know how long after 
the birth of Christ, the Magi showed up. It could have been months. It could have been up to two years. And the reason we give that kind of time frame is because that Herod, when he went out to kill the babies, killed all of the babies two years of age and under, according to the time that the Magi had seen the star. But they were looking for the one who was born king of the Jews. And they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Gold, a gift of royalty. Frankincense, a gift of worship. And myrrh, yeah, myrrh. A gift that was used for embalming the dead. Perhaps a strange gift for the young child, but that which pointed toward his sacrifice. Herod also knew about the birth of Christ. Herod, the great Roman ruler of Judea, described as a madman who murders his own family and a great many of the religious leaders. Someone wrote, the evil genius of the Judean nation was Herod the Great because he was prepared to commit any crime in order to gratify his unbounded ambition. The scribes and chief priests, they knew because it was Herod who went to them and said, where is he to be born? And they said, For it's written in the prophet Micah, Bethlehem. Jerusalem knew about it because Jerusalem was troubled with Herod. And Bethlehem understood something about the birth of Christ. You see, Bethlehem was indeed a place of an announcement where God sent his son. His only begotten Son to be the Savior of the world. It was also a place of charity, a place of love. A place where we discover that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And it was a place of evangelism. It was the shepherds who went from the manger in Bethlehem and made known the saying that was told them. And Luke's gospel says that Mary pondered all these things and kept them in her heart. The shepherds were the first New Testament evangelists as they went proclaiming the wonder of what they had seen and heard as it was told unto them. They were eyewitnesses of the wonderful gift of the Son of God in Bethlehem. 
Bethlehem is indeed a, a special place. A place that was foretold by the Old Testament prophet. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, Bethlehem, house of bread, Ephrathah, fertile soil, who art too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Oh, it was a place of pressure. Mary and Joseph went because of a decree from Caesar Augustus. But it was a place of peace. The message to the shepherds, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And the message that Jesus gave to us is you can not only have peace with God, you can know the peace of God that passes all understanding to keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Next week, we're going to discover that it was a place of promise. And God put it all together so that we might know him through his son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that we've been able to share and the opportunity that has been ours to just study your word and to understand the wonder of the gift of your birth, of the girth of your son, Jesus Christ. Encourage us, Father, as we celebrate Christmas as we remember that which was presented to us this morning by our kids, the love that you've given to us. And as we understand your love as you sent your Son to be the Savior of the world, for it's in his name we pray. Amen.